Welcome to the Bookwifery Podcast, a weekly podcast that helps you birth your book, your voice, and your audience through discernment, companionship, and guidance. I'm Christiane Squires, the founder of Bookwifery, and my mission is to help you birth books that heal the world with light. Welcome to the show. Hello, beauty. I am excited to welcome you to episode 19 of the Book Wifery podcast. Today, we're going to talk about when your book project isn't going as planned. So I've been having a lot of conversations with folks in recent weeks about life events that are going on, things that are coming up um, that are um, redirecting their focus in other directions um, related to their book projects, also having conversations with people whose book projects are changing, also connecting with folks. Um, Every time enrollment for one of my courses uh, comes up, I get in touch with different people who tell me, you know, they've been trying to make progress so they could move forward and be ready for enrollment in this course or another that I offer and are struggling to feel ready given what's going on in life. And so I just started noticing these last couple of weeks that there was a, it almost seemed like a, um, kind of like a resurgence or, um, or a surge, I should say of this kind of theme. And so I was paying, I just started paying attention to it and I thought, you know, this would be good for an episode because it would allow us to kind of notice together what are the kinds of things that can come up in the process of book pregnancy that create this feeling of like, this isn't going to plan. And um, what are, are there different categories for that? And then how do we hold whichever category might be true for us right now? Um, and so yeah, I sat down with my trusty Molsky notebook that I use to prep each episode and just started making a list of the people that I've connected with in the recent weeks. What was it specifically that was going on for each of them? And then started to kind of see if there were, um, like I said, categories or themes that they could be chunked together. And um, and then you know, kind of looking into my own heart space to say, what is my posture toward this kind of circumstance when it arises in someone's life. And even looking back over the last few years, as I've done bookwifery work with different authors, um, as different things came up, what conversations did we have that helped them navigate that and pay attention to the invitation that was being presented to them? So that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to share with you the different kind of categories of things that can crop up when you're experiencing your book project not going as planned. So that hopefully you can recognize yourself in one of those categories or themes. I should probably pick which one I want to call it um, if you are experiencing that right now or if in the future you start to experience that and you want to come back to this episode and re-listen and say, okay, I'm in a different place now. Book project isn't going according to plan. Um, What's happening right now and what can I do about that? So here we go. All right, so uh, some examples of things that can happen. Um, I'm going to just give you kind of the 30,000-foot view of what are these major categories, and then we'll go deep into each one. So the first is we're going to look at significant life circumstances, like if you are experiencing loss or trauma or 
like say a big move um, to a new house or a new life coming into your home. So significant life circumstances where something major is happening in your family, in your own life, in, you know, it's requiring some attention. Um, Another category that we're going to look at is um, if you are experiencing an energy shift around the book itself. So for some reason, the energy that you used to have for the book is not there. And we're going to look at some of the reasons that can happen and how to respond based on which of the factors is happening for you. Another um, possibility is, the third possibility is regular life keeps getting in the way. So just keep feeling like you can't get traction because regular life keeps cropping up and getting in the way. And so we're going to unpack that a bit. And there's some some different variables to that that I'd love to invite you to, to notice and see what's at work for you. Okay. So looking at my notes here. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about significant life circumstances. I named loss, trauma, a big move, a new life, um, you know, getting married, getting a new job. Um, Not everything that I've just named would necessarily create a stall out for you on your book. You might be the kind of person who can kind of organize yourself around something, you know, fitting in to something new, some new rhythm, some new new circumstances. Um, But... Um, a lot of people might be faced with a significant life circumstance, and it's it's very difficult to figure out how to how to orient your life around that when it happens, especially when you've got this big commitment like a book that you've been working on. So, the, here's the first thing that I want to say: if you have a significant life circumstance that's come up, and you were in the midst of working on a big project like a book. Um, I want to tell you that it's okay to pause. That's my first word to you. Um, If I were sitting across from you over tea or coffee or something, and you were telling me about some significant life event that had happened, maybe someone in your family just got diagnosed and you're very close to them and are involved in the caretaking or, um, you know, the doctor's appointments, or they're just a a significant person in your life and it's rocking you. Um, I would, you know, if, if that's happening, or if you just lost someone that is very dear to you, or, you know, you've just moved into a new home and it was like complete upheaval of your home environment and getting it all organized and actually getting moved, all of that. If you were sitting across from me and telling me any of those kinds of things, I would be reaching my hand across the table to put my hand on your hand and say, this is really huge. This is a big deal. And of course you're feeling rocked. And of course you're feeling disoriented and like you're reeling a bit and that you don't know which way is up right now. And of course you're having whatever kind of response you might be having. It could be, you know, keening sadness. It could be anger. It could just be like confusion. So, or it could be like sheer and utter joy if you just welcomed a new life into your home and you're just over the moon and like, oh my gosh, like... I don't even know what to think about besides this right now. And so I would be saying to you, like, of course, that's how you're responding, right? So that's the first thing I would want, I do want to say to you, if this is where you are with your book project, and you've just encountered a significant life circumstance that is like completely shaking up your world right now. Um, The second thing I would say to you is whose timeline? Whose timeline is it that you're feeling pushed up against? I was talking with some, um, some 
bookwifery authors in one of my courses this week. And we were kind of laughing together because, you know, the courses that I teach obviously follow a timeline. It's like we have week one, week two, week three, or module one, module two, module module three, and there's a certain material that they get and they're all moving forward in it together. And so in some ways there's a timeline there, but it's, it's also, and it's, and it's meant to be a help and it is a help to so many because it's like, if we don't have a path to follow and guardrails and accountability, a lot of times we won't move forward at all. But when something significant is going on and it's hard to keep up with some timeline that's going on for you in your mind, uh, it can be helpful to, to pause and in the midst of that pause to say, whose timeline am I feeling like I need to follow right now? And if it's it might be an artificial timeline. And and I will say that my courses that I offer are in a way artificial timelines because, you know, it's not like it's not like when you're in school and you have to finish, you know, turn in a paper by a certain deadline or date and get a grade or else you're going to fail. Um, there's no grades in a course. And the same is true for you. If you are, you know, making your path on your own and you're, you know, trying to hit a deadline of, you know, maybe you set for the end of the year or by next summer or something. Um, and maybe that, that, that timeline you set for yourself needs to shift because it's in a way artificial because no one's actually pressing it upon you. And there was no way when you set that timeline for yourself for you to have known that this significant life circumstance was going to come up in the midst of it. So giving yourself permission to reevaluate the timeline and even asking yourself whose timeline am I placing myself upon? Um, And then I'll also say if you are working on a book project and you are currently under contract to a publisher... Um, you might say, well, Christiane, I'm under a publisher's timeline and I actually did sign on the dotted line for a very hefty book contract that I would submit my manuscript or my edits, you know, my revisions by these dates. And I'm, you know, really am working with a real timeline. Um, So in that case, I would just counsel you to talk to your publisher, to talk to your editor or your agent or whoever it is that you're working with and and let them know the circumstances that are going on to find out if there's any wiggle room at all for you, if you're feeling like that's what you actually need. Um, Again, we're looking here at significant life circumstances that have created a a bit of an upending of your world, um, whether it's your exterior world or your interior world, and just allowing yourself, number one, permission to pause to acknowledge the significance of what's happening and pause the project. And number two, to ask yourself, whose timeline is this and can it be moved? Okay, second category, energy shift around the book. So when I thought about this, I thought about two ways I see this most often happen. So we're going to talk about both of those. Um, The first is an energy shift around the book where you're um, encountering what's known as the dip. So you may be familiar or you may not be familiar with the concept of the dip, but it's a a concept that Seth Seth Godin wrote a book about. It's called The Dip. It's like a 40-page book. It's really it's a tiny little book, um, but it's profound in the way that most things Seth Godin writes is profound, um, are profound. Um, But it's the concept that anything worth doing usually will encounter the dip in the process of coming to life. And the dip is basically this, this idea that when you start a new project, a creative project and, or any kind of endeavor that is, you know, 
requires a wholehearted push of yourself into it, that you will go running into it with real excitement. And then it, and almost like it's like, woo, you've got like all of this speed. And then all of a sudden you'll encounter the dip, which is you hit a roadblock that is requiring a different kind of energy from you. It's like your energy's flag flagging because you've been running up to this point. And the road is changing such that you've hit this dip that requires you've gone down and now you're trying to go up. And it's like you don't have the energy to go up because you have used a lot of energy running down in the first place. (laughs) And number two, it requires even more energy to go up than it requires to go down um, in a different kind of way. And so you encounter the dip and your energy flags and you have to, you, you basically are forced to confront am I going to keep going or am I going to quit? And so, you know, the inherent to the concept of the dip is that anything worth doing is going to encounter the dip and anything worth doing that actually comes to life um, did so because the person doing it pushed through the dip. And it's just good to know the dip is a real thing that exists. So I'm going to link up in the show notes for this episode. If you go to bookwifery.com slash podcast, go to episode 19, you'll find a link to Seth's book called The Dip. I'm also going to link in there two other books that are kind of variations on this theme. One book called Finish by John Acuff. It's, um, I will tell you, I haven't read John's book finish, but I've read several of his other books. I follow him on social. He's really funny, but really focused. He's a kind of a guy who went from being, um, he, I I mean, he would tell you he's, he's just always been kind of this, um, happy-go-lucky, silly, you know, humorous, goof-off kind of person who over the last 10 years has had to really bring greater and greater discipline to his life as his public career has taken off as a writer and as a speaker. And I've just, it's been amazing to watch him develop and become more and more focused and disciplined and eventually like leading communities of people to, to set and finish goals that they set. And so he wrote a book called finish. I think it was a New York times bestseller. He's actually good friends with Seth Godin. I think Seth endorsed the book. Um, so I'm going to recommend that book, even though I haven't read it because I have a pretty good hunch that it's a quality (laughs) resource for you on this same idea. Um, and then the third book you probably have heard of as well called the war of art by Stephen Pressfield and Pressfield's word for this is besides, you know, he, you know, Seth Godin calls it the dip. Stephen Pressfield calls it resistance. So, you know, all we're saying here is that if you're having an energy shift around the book, it's possible that you're encountering something that is very natural in the creative process. And for any endeavor that is worth doing, that you are eventually going to hit up against resistance the dip, um, a desire to avoid, um, a, a energy flagging, wondering if it's worth it, wondering if you have what it takes to keep going. And so the inter- invitation here, if this is what's happening for you, is to, is to ask yourself, am I in the dip? Have I really been burning energy to get to this point? And I'm just tired. <laughs> and I'm also coming up against some of the realities of this process, which is that it's going, it's asking a lot of me. It's, um, it's going to continue to ask a lot of me. I'm having to make hard decisions about how I spend my time or how I show up in the world and what I give myself energy to do and, you know, what I give my energy toward. And so asking yourself, am I feeling this energy shift around the book? Because I'm just, 
I am experiencing the natural phenomenon of the dip and I need to kind of gather my resources back up and think about how to keep moving forward. And that's kind of like a Uh, maybe a come to Jesus moment (laughs) that you have with yourself where you're like, okay, I need a little bit of truth telling here. I'm really just encountering my own resistance or my own energy flagging. And I need to now evaluate how do I take this and move forward. So again, the dip finished by John Acuff, war of art by Stephen Pressfield, all three of those can be great encouragements and companions to you in that space. The other way you might experience energy shift around your book, um, is that you're noticing your conviction around the book is changing. This is a completely different situation than the dip. So conviction around the book changing can look like you're really not very interested in the topic anymore. And it's like, you're really afraid to admit that, but that's really what's going on. You're not that interested in the topic you've chosen to write about enough to continue investing all the time and energy it's going to take for you to finish this and to actually do it well. Or maybe you're realizing you're not sure you believe what you were writing about anymore. You set out with a certain kind of assumption or theory or ideas, and the more that you've worked on the book or the more that you've worked on things in your life, you're like, I actually don't think I'm the same person anymore believing those same things anymore, and I just don't know that I believe the message of this book anymore. So there's that. Um... Or you might be feeling like this book, I'm not sure it's a true and full expression of what I'm actually about in the world. You know, it's like I I started out on this path, again, kind of having a sense of what I was about. But the more I've gotten into it, I feel a little bit boxed in by this. I'm not feeling like I have room here to fully engage myself in the way that I want to be able to in the creative work that I'm doing in the world. Um, and then the other way in this, the, that this can show up is that you're just not sure you're meant to write a book anymore. You know, you've been getting deeper and deeper into the process. You feel like you committed to it. You thought you were discerning the right way into it. And now you're here and you're like, I just don't, I don't know that I even want this anymore. Um, so again, checking whether this is the dip at work that you're, you know, are you tired and your energy is flagging and you need to like shore up your resources and your conviction? Or is it that your conviction itself is actually shifting and it's shifting away from this project? It's shifting away from this project because your interests have changed, your beliefs have changed, your desires of how you want to show up in the world are changing or expanding. Um, So here's what I'm going to say to you if you are in this place where your conviction around this book is changing. Stop. And let yourself have some room to discern. So the book, a book project, particularly a general nonfiction book project, is an extension of your life's work. It's an extension and an expression of it. And so if you are having some shifts happening for you at a core level that are making you question your beliefs around what you've been teaching or saying or writing about, or you are having some shifts down in your core about what you really want in life and what you want your way of showing up in the world to look like, Um, if you are having some shifts down deep in your core around whether you really want to write a book at all, I mean, these are honest conversations to be having with yourself right now because, you know, 
you know by now, the work required to bring a book into the world is long. It's hard. Um, it doesn't look productive. Um, and it requires kind of this commitment to the message of the book, even outside the book. There's all of the stuff related to audience building and platform and, um, you know, credentials and authority. And it's like, if you're, if like what's underneath all of that for you is changing, then it's really important for you to stop and like reevaluate. So I, I'm not going to encourage you if you are in this place to like, just keep muscling through. I'm going to say to you, stop and let yourself have some room to pay attention to what's going on. Pay attention to those core questions or perplexities or complexities or beliefs or, um, you know, dis-ease or desires, you know, like let yourself have some room to see them there and to experience them there, to name them there and to honor what they are speaking to you about what's true in your life. So um, this is also what I would say to you if this is you and you are reaching a point where you're like, oh my gosh, I've just invested all of this time and energy and commitment and space in my life and voice in my life to like voice the things I've been working on, you know, with my audience. Um, maybe you even invested, you know, funds in some direction, you know, to, to support all this. If you're, if you're looking at the reality of that and you're like, oh my gosh, like I don't, I don't even know if I can let myself set this down because of everything I've invested so far of myself. Um, my perspective, like I, I just so understand that. I mean, I have experienced that in my own life in different ways where it's like, I've come so far down this path. I can't imagine setting it down. And yet I know that the energy around this is shifting. And so you're kind of, you're holding that tension. Um, so my perspective on this for you, the, what I would say to you, if you're experiencing that part of this is, um, I'm drawn back to something I learned when I read Marie Kondo's book. Um, oh gosh, the life-changing magic of tidying up. So maybe you're familiar with this book. Um, she talks about, it's about decluttering your house and you may be familiar with this, but she has you go through each, you know, category in your home and physically pick up each item and ask, does it bring me joy? And if it does, then it gets to stay. And if it doesn't, then you set it aside. And she said, you might have to do this or you will have to do this with items in your home that hold significant value to you. There's like sentimental value there. It's like someone gifted it to you. And the thought of putting it down or setting it aside, giving it away, throwing it away is like painful. And so what she encourages you to do is almost kind of ritualize it a bit and to say thank you to that item Thank you for the the part you played or the role you played or the function you played in my life in the moment that it was given to me by this person. Like that you have served your purpose and I'm grateful for that. And then to be able to set it aside, knowing that it fulfilled its purpose in your life. So that's a, a totally different context for what I'm saying to you here, but it's the same idea. Like what you have been experiencing with the book up to this point has truly served a purpose in your life because it has forced you or asked you to work with ideas to the point where you started to realize 
you weren't sure this was what you wanted or believed or was enough for you. And so it served an incredible purpose. It is surfacing for you the truth of your life and the invitation of your life now. And so I think that you can look at these, this time and this effort, everything you've done, and you can say, thank you so much for what you have contributed to my journey of getting to this point now where I can encounter the questions that I'm encountering or the desires that I'm encountering or the truths that I'm naming with the integrity that I want to. So that is my encouragement to you. I hope that um, I hope that that proves helpful in your process. Okay, moving into the third um, and last category. Regular life keeps getting in the way. Ah, okay. So in this, my encouragement to you, if regular life keeps getting in the way, my response to this is to examine what's happening. So this is going to ask you to take a moment of pause and actually look at what's going on that's creating this situation. So I'm going to offer to you three ways that life might be feeling like it's getting in the way, or three three things to ask yourself, I should say. As you're examining what's happening, there's three things I want to say might be an invitation here. So the first is the question, Does do, do things need to shuffle? So when I'm working through the discernment process with someone who is trying to discern if they're pregnant with a book, they're in that preg- initial pregnancy test process, um, and they they we talk about the reality of time, the reality of the time commitment of a book. And it's not just, you know, the 18 to 24 months process and sometimes longer, sometimes shorter. Um, but you know, that it's going to take of their life to do this. Um, but also just the day-to-day work of it to even get it done. Um, and so we talk about that in the initial discernment process, but we also talk about it once you say yes um, to being pregnant with a book. You realize you are pregnant, and now some now your life needs to orient to accommodate this new life that is going to start growing in your world, which is your book. And so when we're in that space, on the other side of the yes answer to the pregnancy test, um, we talk about primary and secondary concerns in your day-to-day life. So I invite you you to look at the reality of time and where it's being spent in your life. So on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a monthly basis, like what are the commitments in your life and allowing yourself some space to notice, like name all the different commitments, but then put them into categories. You know, I seem to really love categories. I talk about them a lot on these shows. Um, Which things in your life that are, that are taking time in your life are primary concerns, meaning that they, they are, unequivocal commitments. They cannot be shifted. They are there for good reason. And they, there's like no wiggle room there. They can't, it can't shift. And then secondary concerns, which are things that you're committed to right now that really probably could take a back seat or even be let out of the car of your life, um, in order to make room for the book. So, and it could be that there's primary concerns that are like unequivocal commitments, but maybe there can be some shifting in terms of how things look with the primary concerns, but the secondary concerns are the ones that are most, um, I want 
say expungible, but um, disposable, I should say. Um, So looking at those things and just evaluating, like, what are the primary concerns in my life right now? What are the secondary concerns? Am I allowing things more weight than they really need to be given right now, given the fact that I've committed to working on a book? So that's one first exercise I encourage you under the does something need to shuffle question. Another thing that you might consider is do I need to have a conversation or two in my life? Um, maybe a hard conversation. Maybe it's with a life partner. Maybe it's with someone at your workplace. Uh, maybe it's with clients. Um, whatever you know your context is, are there some conversations that need to be had in order to create the space that needs to be given to the book that is not there right now? Um, so whether it's asking for support, asking for more space in the schedule, um, freeing up more space in the schedule. Do you need to have a conversation or two that maybe, you know, maybe you have thought was just not an option or maybe you've been avoiding because it's scary. So just, you know, giving yourself a moment to look at that question. (laughs) Um, So this is what I want to say to you that birthing a book is a real and significant thing. Like I said a minute ago, you know, it doesn't look productive because it takes such a long time to come to life. And it feels as my students, someone even today in a group call mentioned, you know, it feels sometimes a little selfish to be taking the time required to work on the book project because, you know, there's so many other pressing concerns of life that are immediate and concrete and right in front of you. And a book has like no deadline because again, whose timeline are you working on has no deadline at this point. Um, and it's something that you can't see any results from for a long time. So it's very hard to give yourself permission to create the space for this. But I want to tell you that it's a real thing. It's a significant thing and it can't come to life without the time that it's, that it requires that it needs to come to life. And so I can't tell you how many people I work with who say that they have been trying to work on a book for years, you know, upwards of 20 years for some people. And it's like they they kept letting life get in the way of this thing that just kept pushing at them. And so now is the time that they've made to do it. Um, but it's still a struggle. I mean, especially after 20 years of letting life get in the way, you know, there's a habit there, there's a there's a lot of beliefs there that have to kind of be countered. And so I just I just want to invite you to the truth that gestating, developing and birthing a book into the world is a real thing that requires time and attention. And it will never happen if it's not given that. And so in order to bring it, you may you will need to make room for it. And that starts with looking at your primary and your secondary concerns in your life, starting to shift things off your plate that don't need to be there, starting to have conversations with the primary people in your life that that you need their support and their understanding and their, you know, cheerleading. Um, So this is the time for that. Um, The second thing that you can do when you are noticing that regular life keeps getting in the way and you're saying, okay, I'm going to look at what's happening. Why does this keep happening? The second thing you can do is ask yourself, do you want this? Do you really want this? Have you gotten to a point where you've realized this may not actually be what you want anymore? So this is different than the need to shuffle, which we just talked about. 
The need to shuffle is about, oh my gosh, I am letting other things in life get in the way and I am not giving this project the place in my life that it actually deserves and needs to have. This second option is is more about um, asking yourself if there's a hard truth about this and your desires that you might be afraid to ask yourself. And that is, do you really want this? And I'm just going to take us back to this, the previous category we talked about with the energy shift around the book, you know, there's the dip, but there's also the possibility that the conviction around the book is changing. You know, maybe you've realized that this isn't something you really want, but you're continuing to commit to it because you told yourself previously that you wanted it and you think you should want it. And you've told people in your life that you want it and that you're doing it. And so this is this is a hard thing, but if if life keeps getting in the way, um, and you're not thinking it's because you actually need to make room for it, it might be that you're actually avoiding the book because you may not actually want it. <laughs> so there's the avoiding of the book because you have resistance, in which case you're in the dip, and there's the avoiding of the book because your convictions around it have changed, and you need to kind of spend some time looking at that and asking yourself what to do with it. So in which case, so if you, you know, with this question, I'm just encouraging you to go back to the previous category we discussed around the dip and the conviction around the book. And then the third thing, when regular life keeps getting in the way and you give yourself permission to examine what's happening, um, a third thing you can do, and I encourage you to do, is to honor your rhythms. So Again, I'm going to come back to this question of whose timeline, whose timeline are you operating within? Um, You know, is it possible that you adopted a timeline for yourself that just doesn't actually work with the way that you're made? So I'm inviting you in this third subset to think, to notice your, your true rhythms of, of life, your true rhythms of body, spirit, you know, mind, (laughs) heart, um, can you even get a pulse on the pace at which you would say you most naturally operate? So if you were to kind of um, like give yourself like a hand motion of like a almost like a metronome or a, a drum beat or even a wave of like cresting and falling um, going up and down, like how quickly would that move or tap? Or how slowly would it go? How how long would the rolls be? I hope you can get some visuals here from what I'm describing. But basically what I'm inviting you to do is start to, to give your okay, give yourself a moment to tune in to your true interior rhythm. How quick or fast or what pace does that move? And so it's like, oh, my rhythm, my natural rhythm sounds like this. Maybe it sounds like this. Bum. Bump, bump, bump. Or maybe for you, it sounds like this. Bump, bump, bump. Okay, <laughs> so I'm inviting you to first tune into a sense of your natural rhythm and allowing yourself room to organize your life and this book project and all that it entails, the actual work on the book and the work on the audience part um, and the work on the publishing part, like all of that, allowing yourself to organize your life around the reality of your true rhythm. 
rather than feeling like you need to force yourself to be different than you are. I was in a group call with um, with one of my cohorts today, and one of the women in the group mentioned to me that she appreciated the approach I take with my courses because they're very contemplative. There's a slower reflective pace to what we're doing together as a cohort, and she said that she's, she's done lots of other writers' retreats and courses that were much more you know, the impression I got was like a lot more task oriented, a lot more like how to and like do this. And um, I'm not sharing that with you to like toot my own horn, but but to identify the reality that there are different rhythms at work in the world. <laughs> and, and when you set out a pace for yourself with your book project, whether you're doing it for yourself in kind of a DIY approach, or whether you are um, putting yourself um through a pathway that's been prescribed for you by a coach or an instructor or a guide of some sort, that you have choices. You get to choose which pathways um, fit the reality of who you are. You know, if you are a slower paced contemplative, giving yourself, setting yourself to a process with this, whether it's one you create for yourself or find to be a part of, that really aligns with that. Um, or if you're much more driven and task oriented and like on the go and you just love to, maybe your life rhythm sounds like dun, 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 done, you know, <laughs> um, finding a, a process or a pathway that, that matches that so that it's not about you having to be different than you are. It's about you finding alignment with the truth of who you are in your life. So that, that goes for your life as a whole, but particularly in the context of this conversation for your book project. So finding a process or a path that works for you. And, you know, this is, you know, in some ways, I know a very privileged place from which to speak when we're talking about ultimately, I'm inviting you to, you know, let yourself imagine that you can fashion an approach and a life for yourself that is true to you. Um, but I'm just acknowledging that for some of us, there's a lot more freedom in some of these things, then we realize, you know, how, how do we place these constraints on ourselves? Where do they come from? Where are those assumptions rooted? Um, can we question those assumptions that we have to move at a certain pace or we have, it has to look a certain way. So I want to encourage you to go back to the, I think two episodes ago where we talked about what's required and what's discerned in the, in the process of book pregnancy, there's certain things about this process of bringing a book into the world that are set. You know, you have to write the book. <laughs> you have to work on an audience and a platform. You know, you have to choose a publishing path. Like all of these things have to happen, but the way in which they happen gets to be discerned. And that discernment is, is about you. <laughs> it's about your way of being in the world, your you know, the true invitation for who you are, you and the sacred having a conversation about what's, what's the going to make the most sense for yourself and your life and your circumstances and who you are. So if you want a little bit more on this part, I would encourage you to go back to episode, I think it's 17, um, what's required and what's discerned. Okay, so what we talked about today is when your book project isn't going as planned, looking at whether it's a, because of a significant life circumstance, a, an energy shift around the book, or the fact that regular life seems to keep getting in the way, and unpacking what's really behind each of those and what the invitation to you might be. And my dear hope is that you're finding some way forward that you can take with that, and that it's one that brings you hope and consolation. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bookwifery podcast. Show notes for each episode can be found at bookwifery.com slash podcast. I'd love to connect with you beyond the show. You can subscribe to my birth notes newsletter at bookwifery.com slash notes, where I share further details behind each week's episode, plus updates on all things bookwifery. My favorite place to hang out online is Instagram. You can find me at Christiane underscore bookwifery or by searching bookwifery in the explore tab. And lastly, don't you just love this music? It's called Lights Dissolve and is produced by a musician named Elliot Middleton. Thanks again for listening.